Scott McWalter brought a lot of things to the table in our conversation. The way that I ran into him was episode one guest, alumni, Blake Fillion, had told me about Scott and how goal-oriented he is. And he has something that he does, and it's called Goal Spank. And it is just a expressive term for validating oneself when completing a goal. Like, if you do something cool, you want to recognize that. So you can find out more about him in this episode. One thing that I really enjoyed about our conversation is about how it is basically a free promotion for tourism Prince George. So many things that I didn't know about that community in British Columbia, Canada, that I now know. And he speaks to it so positively and truly speaks to so much in his life so positively. We talk about 10-year goals, which is something that a lot of people don't have the guts to talk about. And he has it all laid out in a way that is quite achievable. Like, if you put in the work, you can you can make it happen. We talk about fitness, we talk about business, career, family, technology, everything under the sun. I hope you enjoy this one. Make sure to share it with a friend, and thank you for listening. Welcome to The Lifestyle Chase, Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. So welcome to episode 97 of The Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by Scott McWalter. How are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely phenomenal. Thank you very much for having me as a guest. You bet. What What was your day like today? What did you get up to? Well, it's been a, a typical Thursday. I usually try to get up between 5 and 5.30 a.m. And first thing that's always on my mind is fitness. I feel like before I do anything else, it's moving the body to wake up the mind. And it's better than caffeine as soon as you get some body movement in and, and it really is a, a fantastic way to, to set the tone for your day and to when you start out accomplishing a goal, you get hungry for more and it just facilitates the process for accomplishing other things in other areas of your life as well, whether it's at the office or elsewhere. So you're very goal oriented. What are the three biggest goals that you've accomplished in the year 2019, looking back on the year that we just completed? That is, that's great because it's recent. Uh, I would say two out of the three goals were physical and one was more on the professional side of things. So I'll start out with the physical goals. So one was I completed a, an Ironman in Whistler, British Columbia in July. And that took about nine months of training, uh, five to six days a week, uh, a lot of, of dedication to towards hitting that finish line on, on July 28th, 2019. And the second one was a full marathon run where the Ironman, it was a 70.3, which means it's about a two kilometer swim, uh, a, a half marathon, which is 21.1 kilometers and a 90 kilometer bike ride. So my, in terms of running, like I'm, I'm very strong between 10 and 
21 kilometers, but anything greater than that, I, I am not. And, and I, I think like the whole saying goes is the best thing you could do is train for a marathon by doing shorter distances, but never go through at the marathon because it really wrecks havoc on your body, that kind of distance, 42.2 kilometers. So the second goal that I accomplished was a, a full marathon in Honolulu, Hawaii on December 8th. So technically last month. And, and that was, um, the second physical. So as for the professional side of things, I would have to lean on my career at the Brink Group of, of companies, which is uh, where I am in head of marketing uh, as an executive. And the best accomplishment was really uh, coordinating one of the, the most effective press conferences that I've ever put on and within 24 hours notice. So our company CEO decided that he wanted to donate $1 million to the College of New Caledonia over the next decade to ensure that Northern British Columbia is still getting the adequate amount of tradespeople and skill sets that really require us to be productive up here in Northern BC. So he decided that we we're going to do this on a Friday morning and he let me know about it on, on Thursday afternoon while we're in the middle of a major full day a radiothon campaign that I was spearheading that raised around $75,000 for a local hospice society. So it was kind of almost like an unexpected accomplishment because I didn't see it coming at all. And with that, it allowed, it allowed the opportunity to, to really discover like how much you can actually get done in a day. And that's what I love is like, I'm all about like, like carpe diem and, the heck out of every single day but it's like the old saying goes where if you ever want something done ask somebody who's busy to help you because that is usually synonymous with extraordinary time management skills and and you could even ask any parent with toddlers how you have to start planning your day almost in like 15 minute increments but i just love the fact i love being like good busy where you can actually look at your day before it even begins and and almost like question yourself like am i going to be able to actually accomplish everything on this to-do list and there's no better feeling than after you do so yeah i really like that so as far as your career side of things goes like why do you do what you do and what got you into doing it what inspired you to do your career that you do now yeah, so I started out in marketing. I, I went to the University of Northern British Columbia in Prince George, and I, I went ahead and got a marketing degree, and, and soon after, I, I came back and I did my MBA. And in every career I've had, I tried banking, I tried management, and I was the manager of a, the largest shopping center west of Prince George for a year, and it just it wasn't really like interesting to me. Like I didn't kind of like commute on my way to the office, like get excited about the day and the agenda and, and things that would accomplish where like once I got my first marketing role, which was actually for the university, I, I loved it. I fell in love with the, the process of creating, of creation and creation is such a powerful word. And it can be so fun where when you are sitting at a table in a in a board meeting with 
other staff and you're spitballing different ideas back and forth. And like once you actually like put an agreement to a concept and just watching that concept go to come to fruition, whether it's a, a year long marketing campaign or whether it's a quick five day marketing campaign, it's just really cool knowing that that you were part of a team or maybe it was just you that brought something to the table and actually implemented the idea because I, I feel like too often there's, and with a lot of individuals and, and myself in, included sometimes that it's easy to think about brilliant ideas. It's not easy to take action and implement them. As far as brilliant ideas goes, what has been one of your brilliant ideas that hasn't been easy to, to go through with, but was worth it in the end? I would look at the date March 9th, 2014, and it was the year 2014 for the city of Prince George was a big one because we were celebrating our city's 100th anniversary, our centennial. It was the 25th anniversary of our university, UMBC, and it was also just the, the start of us hosting the 2015 Canada Winter Games the next year. So it was like just like um, all within a year span, there were so many exciting things happening in our community. But there was nothing but negativity from the, the public. And it was what I like. I just had recently moved back to Prince George after living on Kitts Beach for about three and a half years. And and sometimes when you're away from something, you realize how great it is. It's kind of like, you know, what you don't know how you have until it's gone. And the problem with Prince George is that most of the people that complain about it have never left. So they don't truly know how fantastic of a community it is. Whereas you go travel the world, maybe some third uh, some third world countries where there's uh, there's just poverty everywhere you look. And, and, and then you come back to... To print a, a city like Prince George, and you just think to yourself, "Wow, we have it pretty darn good here." So I noticed all of the the major social social media pages and groups all had to do with negativity. There is one called the WTF Prince George, and all it talked about was the bad things of Prince George. So immediately I said, "This has to change." You know, like our community should be proud of what it has to offer, and and the people who live here and the access to urban nature wherever you go. So I created this group called Hell Yeah Prince George. And within a couple days, it grew from me being the first member to over 10,000 people subscribing to it. And and now where we are today is it's over 41,000 people, which is more than half the population of Prince George. So that was probably when I moved back to Prince George the best implemented idea I had. And, and it really changed the, it was a paradigm shift for our city where it, it made a lot of people realize like, like all the positive attributes of the community instead of focusing on the negative ones. And just like negativity, I mean, positivity breeds positivity. It's contagious. That's awesome. And a little backstory for you is because like, I, I live most of my life in Alberta and like I've never lived anywhere other than like just outside of Edmonton or in Edmonton I've had a few family vacations to BC but like I've never specifically gone to Prince George but I heard like neg negativity about Prince George 
And to have this conversation with you and you're like alluding to that and talking about it and talking about how you've changed it because like I definitely haven't heard anything bad about Prince George as of late. So it must be working. But it's kind of cool to get that insight of, yeah, like changing that spin on things and changing the perspective and how we see things and what we take for granted and what we don't take for granted. So yeah. from from what I know of following you on social media, for, for backstory for any of our listeners, like my episode one was with Blake Fillion, and that's how I got talking to Scott today. So um, you're a positive person. What have been three things that you've applied positivity to in which you have seen the biggest turnaround, whether it be in fitness or personal or career or anything? I'm going to start with fitness because it's a huge part of my life. And I, I feel like in, in our culture today in, in Canada and other developed countries where the majority of people are sedentary, not just throughout the workday, but throughout the entire day. And, and to off, I feel it's more important than ever to, to find a way to offset that. And I'm a, big believer of everyday body movement and and everyday exercise to different degrees. I mean, there's going to be some days where you really push your body and it's going to need some rest, but that doesn't mean you just have to take the next three days off and do absolutely nothing. There can be active recovery, something as simple as going for a nice long walk with your dogs or even doing some light exercise at the, doing swimming laps at the pool or doing some yoga. But I believe that with everyday body movement, for any individual, it's going to create a new persona for them uh, where they're going to be able to express gratitude more easily. They're going to feel better about themselves. They're going to feel more confident in their decision-making and their ability to influence others. And there's just an endless list of, of attributes that, that stem from everyday body movement. So I would say that's one. Uh, number two is career and whatever it is you're doing in your career I, I i remember my first job 14 years old i was a dishwasher in a local restaurant and i made it my goal to become the best dishwasher in prince george you know some people will look at that goal and be like why would you ever want to be the best dishwasher but i just i wanted to be the best at whatever i was doing and i think anyone should carry that mentality with them whatever their career is so I think if you're looking at, say, uh, working at a bank and you're in a customer-centric role as a teller, I'd aim to be the best teller at that bank and then aim to be the best teller with the, out of all the branches in that city and then maybe think provincially and like good things will happen from that. Just because you want to be the best in whatever it is you're doing doesn't mean you have to do that to ever. It just means that by being or aiming to be the best and possibly achieving that milestone, it's going to be a stepping stone to other great opportunities. And the third one on that list would actually be a family, of course, which is extremely important to me. And what I've really been trying my hardest to do, I have a young daughter and I also have very close families of that lives in Prince George, is just to, to use them as an escape from screen time and vice versa, where I think you can agree, Christian, that too often we're finding ourselves in situations where you might be around 
loved ones or you might be around close friends or whoever, but you, there's people that are going to be attached to their screen still where you can't clearly disengage and actually connect with another person where it seems like such a silly concept. If you were to explain this concept to somebody from 25, 35, 45 years ago, just saying, yeah, you know, there's a, there's going to be a device that's created. It's going to be a portable phone that can just go in your pocket and you can access any information you want in the world, or you can talk to anyone you virtually want. And you're going to elect to use that to communicate with others when you're in front with some of the most important people in your life, that that device is going to take precedence. People would just think you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, like you nailed it. I actually took a huge hiatus from uh, Instagram. I just went on to check messages from like podcast guests and clients. And other than that, I just laid off of the Instagram. And I'm a big like just uh, fan of talking to people in person and experiences in person and being present and like diving into a deeper connection with your current friendships, relationships, and anything that you have going on. Because like, that's, that's where we get more joy out of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I look at the happiest person I've ever met in this world. And his name is Jim Good. He's a local Prince George res uh, resident. He's around 70 years old. Uh, he's on the autism spectrum, uh, more of like the Asperger side. The guy's a genius. And he, ever since he was a young kid, he had a goal. And that goal was to create a botanical park just north of Prince George that has plant and flower and trees from across the country, including the territories. And so with two weeks vacation every single year since the 70s, he would get in his vehicle and he'd drive across Canada and back and he'd collect uh, trees and plants, and shrubs and flowers, you name it. And he'd pack them up in his vehicle, bring them back to Prince George and plant them. Did this for 30 years straight and just watched everything grow in this what 300 acre park north of Prince George. You go there and it's like nothing you've ever seen before because he's got signage and uh, information with every tree ever planted or anything that where it's naturally from, of uh, the history of the, the tree and the Latin word of the tree. And it's just remarkable. So the reason why he is probably the happiest person I ever met is because unlike most people in this world, he knew exactly what he wanted to do in his lifetime from a very young age. There wasn't any doubt about it. He knew and he was passionate about it and he'd do whatever it took to make it happen. Where a lot of us and myself included, like we don't know what we want out of life. We don't know what we're the most passionate about. We sometimes feel that we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. And and it's, it's very, very uncommon when you meet somebody that just knows what they want out of life and they found their passion at a young age and they just spend every day continuously pursuing it. That's so true. Um, in your life so far, what, what's been your recipe or your toolkit for finding the things that you're passionate about or identifying what those things are? Yeah, my, my number one thing in my toolkit would probably be like having a, a very optimistic positive attitude about everything in combination with everyday hunger for knowledge where I grew up with a lot of 
very bright individuals throughout school and, and in university and, and in my master's and a lot of these people they just they'd always like look forward to convocation to almost like the day that they didn't have to apply themselves to learn anymore and I, I found it completely bizarre where I feel like you should just be making an extra effort every single day to take in new knowledge learn something new kind of push yourself outside of your comfort zone in terms of of what you do and do not know so I think like the combination of to answer that question the combination of of a thirst and insatiable thirst for everyday knowledge as well as maintaining a, a positive attitude of I always leave it I always emphasize four key words at the end of uh, I teach spin class every now and then so I I actually leave the class saying I want you to focus on four words for the rest of your day and that's focus on the awesome because we're not here on this planet for a long time so we might as well have a good attitude. That's true. So what was it like when you first taught your first spin class? Like what got you into it and what keeps you doing it from time to time? It was when I was working at the university, we have this beautiful fitness facility on campus. It's a world-class sport fitness recreational facility. So I would work out there in the morning and then head to campus afterwards. And I just, I was, I'd never really done group fitness classes before. I, I grew up playing soccer and varsity soccer. So I was used to the, the t- team component of working out as a group, but I never actually went to a fitness, a group fitness class. So I started attending a few of the 6am group fitness classes and I just loved the energy and the dynamic of the class where there'd be just this group of people that were all working towards this common goal of completing this 55 minute class. And I, I just fell in love with the camaraderie and the energy level and, and the fact that myself and everyone else in the class was pushing themselves harder than they would in an alternative scenario where they're just working out by themselves for an hour. You know, nobody was taking five minute breaks in between sets to check their phone and switch their music. It wasn't happening. It was just go, go, go. So that's where I saw the the positive dynamics of the group fitness classes. But then I shifted over to the leader who was instructing those classes. And I automatically thought, it's like, I would love to be in that role. So I did my fitness leadership certificate, got licensed through Campit Pro. And then I found myself teaching a few classes a week for uh, for two and a half years straight. And I just got back into it this week after a, a bit of a break and, and taught a classic Good Life Fitness on Monday night. That's awesome. What's what's your favorite thing about being an instructor in that capacity? Well, it's it's always fun to, to have an influence. And and it's even better when you you have an ability to make a person feel better about themselves. And I, I love seeing, like I always compare how people how people's energy levels are before a class starts there might be some nervousness like you always get people that might be trying it for the first time and it is outside their comfort zone which i love or you just get people that are kind of like doing their own thing very quiet and then and then at the end similar to a yoga class with like the past post yoga class high at the end of the class you see like everybody's attitude shifts to the positive where you're talking to some of the class participants and they just seem like different people. And this goes back to what we first talked about in this podcast is the importance of everyday body movement because like there's, if you could be having a really bad day and feeling lethargic and your mind's cloudy and all it takes is 
sometimes is that that trip to the gym, even though you can think of a thousand reasons why of other things you'd rather do. And then afterwards, you feel like a whole brand new person. It's true. It's true. So I know that you're passionate about Terry Fox. I want to know more about why. What, what is your why for Terry Fox? And what about his legacy speaks to you? Well, as we both know, you, you hit the nail on the head with that word legacy, which is what Terry Fox is synonymous with. And, and it's quite simple why I got involved with the Terry Fox Foundation and became the lead organizer of the Terry Fox run here in, in Prince George for six years. And, and that's because of ingrained childhood memories. When I was young, for as long as I can remember, my mom would always make sure that she'd take myself and my three older siblings to the, the annual Terry Fox run here in Prince George. And with that, it was, it was an educational opportunity for us kids, as well as all of the other kids and some adults that attended the run every year, where we got, it, it was an opportunity to learn exactly who this national Canadian national hero was, what he stood for, what he accomplished, what inspired him to do the, the Marathon of, of Hope in the first place. And as a fun fact, it was actually a, a 1979 run event in Prince George called the Prince George to Boston Marathon that Terry Fox came up to Prince George to compete in. And uh, uh, Rick Hansen was here as well, uh, doing it on a wheelchair. And it's the, after Terry Fox completed this event, he was he finished dead last. But he says that that event is what gave him the confidence to start the Marathon of Hope the next year. And so there's this really fantastic picture of Terry Fox and Rick Hansen standing outside uh, City Hall, Prince George, together, just talking. And at the time, nobody even knew who they were. Somebody walking by wouldn't look twice. They're just a couple of kids. They're both around 19 or 20. And who would have known that these two individuals would go on to become true Canadian icons and heroes? That's really cool. And, like, Terry Fox means a lot to me, too. I just think that his uh, persistence and work ethic and passion for a cause greater than just himself like it really struck a chord with me so one of my tattoos is actually i know that you can do the impossible so that's mm -hmm. i found that as a terry fox quote and i was like yeah like that's that's something that when i'm 70 years old i'll look at this wrinkly tattoo on my arm and i'll need to see that because i'm gonna face all these things where i need these reminders is there anything about Terry Fox that has resonated for you that's helped you through any adversity you've faced or any tough times? Of course. And like you just said, uh, there's, I, I think with Terry Fox and, and why I love doing the Terry Fox run every year was to educate future generations about the hero, more in particular what he stood for. And, and Terry was so resilient and stubborn in a good way where i think stubbornness every person should have a large degree of good stubbornness and when i say that what i mean is that when somebody tells you that something can't be done you should be stubborn enough to not believe them and in a lot of situations there will be people that tell you something isn't achievable or something is impossible and that doesn't mean that you can't do it more likely so it means that they can't and Terry Fox had even family members and best friends of his. He had a lot of people telling him that the Marathon of Hope, this pipe dream he had of dipping his artificial leg in the Atlantic Ocean in St. John's and then running 
west across the country people thought he was crazy and he had so many people saying don't do it it's not going to be worth it it's something you can't do but he did it anyways and to me that's what i really get out of terry fox is just knowing that anything is possible if you're willing to put in the work ethic have the right attitude sacrifice a lot of things and and believe in yourself instead of other others opinions so that's what i really took from terry fox and it's kind of like Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, where he said that when he was looking for investors in Washington State, and even he came up to Vancouver and was searching for investments, he talked to 142 people that turned him down. Banks, individuals, uh, different conglomerates just saying, no, people don't want to stop and have a coffee. They take their coffee to go. That's how things have always been done. And too often people are under the mindset like things because things have been done a certain way for such a long period of time, they won't change, which is completely the opposite. So I always think of Howard Schultz and like how persistent he was in waiting until that 133rd person he asked actually said yes and gave him seed money to open his first three stores in Washington state followed by, by Vancouver after that. So a lot, unfortunately it's, easy to get discouraged as human beings. It's easy to have somebody, especially if it's a trusted figure in your life or individual in your life to shot down an idea of, your, of yours or to say they don't think it's uh, possible. It's too easy to believe them. But what I wish a lot more people would do instead is believe in yourself. I like that. That's perfect. But I'm curious, when you think about all these examples and times when ideas get shot down or like people who are around you and they're like, I don't know if you can do it. And then you have to tell yourself that you can. What's the first story or experience of yourself personally that you think of when, when you're thinking about these, these scenarios? I'd probably say it's the first time that I actually decided to get involved in uh, endurance events. And the first one I did was uh, a, a half marathon in Kelowna, uh, the BMO marathon. And I remember that, the prime motivation I had, and I don't even think I signed up yet. I was just talking about the concept of maybe running the event. I had two really close friends of mine uh, tell me that they didn't think I could do it, that they didn't think I could actually run that distance because at that time I was still a varsity soccer player and uh, I was more accustomed to like short sprints, uh, like fast switch muscle movement. And, and so that's a perfect example of where when I heard two of these friends of mine who I thought like should be allies in my corner and cheer me on say that they didn't think I could do it I didn't need any more motivation after that I just said all right I'm gonna get this thing done and I and I thought about them probably during like every subsequent training period leading up to that that run in Kelowna um so you have like a sort of a phrase that I've seen you use and it's I think it's goal spank or something like that Tell me about the origin story of that. Like, why why is that the phrase, and what does it mean to you, and what kinds of things has it enabled you to do in your life? Yeah, I remember when that phrase came to mind. I was actually at the gym at the time, and I was on a stairmaster, and I was just I was kind of thinking to myself out of like the process of of goal setting and how it changed my life, and. And maybe two years before that is when I started thinking on paper. And 
what I would do was I would start writing down short and long-term goals. And I couldn't believe what a profound positive impact it had on my life where before I was just kind of cruising through life. And like, if I accomplished something great, or if there is a, a new endeavor that I wanted to go after, I've, I would uh, attempt to pursue it, but I never really had like structure. And ever since, so I remember being on Kitts Beach when I was living in Vancouver, and, I, and it was uh, January 31st. So it was around this time of the year. And I ended up writing down 30 things I wanted to accomplish in the month of February. And I categorized them into different categories. I had 10 goals for education slash business career. I had 10 goals for fitness, health, nutrition. And then I had 10 goals for family, personal, miscellaneous. So it, I took a little bit of time, probably about a couple hours, like just thinking really hard of what goals I wanted to accomplish the next month in February. And I wanted to make sure that there was a collection of, of different levels of hardness because you don't want to set up yourself for failure where you just write down 30 big, hairy, audacious goals and think you're going to accomplish them all. You need to have a collection of low-hanging fruit, like easily accomplished goals. You have to have some goals that are actually a prelude to other goals or like something you have to achieve in order to achieve something greater. And then you want some of those big goals, like maybe it's a, a half marathon event or, or something. So I did that and right away became addicted because whenever you accomplish something, you have all these positive like serotonin, dopamine, brain chemicals that are released and you feel great. And when you feel like that, you feel like taking on the world, you feel like accomplishing even more goals. And so then ever since then, I've, I've done that where I've written down my my one-week goals, my monthly goals, my one-year goals, my five-year goals, my 10-year goals. And I even have daily to-do lists where you usually include around 20 different tasks. And, and it's amazing how organized and structured it keeps your life. But what's even more incredible is what it leads to that you never expected. And so I tell people, like, especially in long-term goal setting, when you're – like I, I always say right now, we're in the year 2020 – I tell people, look back at the year 2010, you know, 10 years ago, what was happening? Well, Canada, Vancouver is getting ready to host the Olympics. And think about what you're doing in your life career-wise or education-wise or family-wise. And so people will talk like, oh, I was doing this or that. And then I'll ask them, like, does it seem that long ago? And their answer is always no. They say that doesn't, that, that doesn't seem like long ago at all. But then when I tell them to think about the year 2030, and what they'd like to accomplish by then or where they what they see themselves doing in the year 2030 they have no clue they they say 2030 that's so far away like why would we be thinking about the year 2030 so what happens when you set long term goals or you start envisioning yourself like what you might be doing in the year 2030 a decade away is you can create these big goals that almost seem unachievable they they're so big they scare you and by doing that by writing it down, you've already mentally accomplished it. And so by mentally accomplishing a goal, it makes the process of physically accomplishing it that much easier. And that goal that you set for 2030, it might not be a goal that you reach, but by aiming for it, the trajectory towards that goal might take you somewhere else that's equally as brilliant, if not more so. But 
that wouldn't have happened unless you set that original big goal. That's awesome. That's like, it's true. Because if you look back at 2010, like, yeah, it kind of seems like a far away away, but for some reason it seems way closer than 2030. And Mm -hmm. you just kind of probably had a lot of people thinking with that. So I'm curious though, why goal spank? Like, what do you, what's what's the spank part of it all about i'm just i'm curious yeah so it's really just a play on words where i thought like like whenever i wanted to just kind of articulate like that i i met one of these big goals that i said i'm like what what do i say like what do you call that you just call it like a goal achievement or goal accomplishment i was like that sounds kind of lame so i was literally like on a stairmaster at the gym and i just thought like goal spank has a nice little like ring to it so i had a graphic designer at the time at the university and she heard it she's like i think that's awesome so she did up like a logo and everything and and created a facebook page then what i've done with that facebook page is that i've never like ran promoted or targeted or sponsored ads or any done any contests for subscribers or anything i just wanted to keep it small and organic and what i use that page for is whenever somebody accomplishes something big I I share that there because I feel like it's nice just to have this space that's dedicated to all other people's achievements. And so a lot of it's local content with like uh, local and it could be uh, athletic pursuits or it could be commerce or it could be education or it could be healthcare. It could be a variety of different subjects, but I just thought it'd be nice to have a space that was dedicated to showcasing other people's achievements. Well, it's going to help facilitate your, your positive attitude towards things because that's what you're putting in front of you, all these like big wins and showcasing the good things in life rather than focusing on, on all the dark things in life. Yeah, exactly. And and I, I really like when people get inspiration from the page as well where, where if there's a, a cool, cool snowshoe hike that I go on or a cool spot around Prince George that I visit that not a lot of people know about it, like just – I feel like that's where the benefits of social media are, where you can post about it and encourage others to maybe get outside, get active and go take advantage of a new waterfall hike that they never knew about before. Because I think, I think at the end of the day, if you can go to bed and just reflect on the day and saying something, saying or thinking that you accomplished something or saw something or did something that before waking up that day, you'd never done before. I think that's huge and every day is really an opportunity to go out there and try something new, do something different and get outside of our comfort zones. I love that. Um, What are three things that in the last week you had never done before your week began? So that gives you a window of like Monday to Thursday for these new things that you did. Okay. So one was uh, I went, we have a, local cross-country ski uh, facility. It's actually really nice. We had a bunch of upgrades before the, the Canada Winter Games. And I typically only went there during the day. I'd go there like on weekends when it was minus 10, the sun was out, and I'd take advantage of the trail. So I decided to switch it up. And on Monday night, I went there at, at night at around 7.30 p.m., and I was amazed at how different of a sport it felt like where you didn't have like the clear view or anything, but 
it was amazing because it was such a clear night that I actually turned my headlamp off because the moon provided so much light in for all these dark cross-country skis, skiing trails. And then looking up into the sky, all you would see, you could see every single star imaginable. So it was just like such a surreal experience skiing in the night with every star visible, with the moonlit trails without a headlamp even required, where I was even questioning myself before going out there. I was like, maybe I'll just wait until the weekend and go for my ski in the, the light like I'm used to. So that's one example of just, you know, like me convincing myself, no, go try something new. It, it might have sucked. You know, it might have been a cloudy night and vision was poor and, you know, a pack of wolves jumped out in the trails or something. But it ended up being phenomenal. And so I guess like the the lesson like I learned myself out of that instance, which I've learned many numerous times, is that you never know unless you try something, right? And that's where, not to get too much off topic, but that's where I feel like anxiety can actually be a good thing. If you have a good level of anxiety, where like if, if you, by agreeing to do this podcast, that was a perfect level of anxiety because there's a little bit feeling of nervousness. I haven't done a podcast in a long time. And uh, are, are we going to have enough content to cover throughout the hour to talk about? So that's a, that's a good level of anxiety because it gave me something to be nervous about leading up to or commencing today. Um, but it's not a bad level of anxiety where bad anxiety is something that sticks with you after something's done. Like after this podcast is over, I'll feel good. I'll be like, I'm glad we did that. I'll reach out to you and say, hey, that was awesome. Thanks for having me. But if it's something that's bad anxiety is something that after you do something sticks with you as bad instead of turns to good. And too often that's the case in, in a lot of different activities. That's a great like conclusion to come to. Cause yeah, like certain levels of anxiety kind of like test us and like remind us that we're alive and that we're moving towards something. And like, maybe that thing is new, but there's a big reward that we're not going to get unless we like kind of push through that. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so if I were to look at yeah, two other examples of, of something I've, I've done for the first time, uh, I, I try not to make all of them physical because I'm always trying like different uh, new things out of my comfort zone in terms of physical. Like I love trying new sports or trying new uh, exercise routines, but I'm going to actually answer this in a different way where the best thing that I did was encourage a really good friend of mine to try something new and i brought her we we have this amazing gym in town called x conditioning like it's they they put you through these one hour workouts that are like nothing else offered in the city they're just really super knowledgeable educated professional individuals putting on the classes and it's a variety of different exercises everything from rowing the kettlebell workouts to of uh, different like of activities that go throughout that hour. And so I brought a friend there and I could tell she was super, super nervous and was so out of her comfort zone. So for her to actually show up with me and go through with it and, and actually rock the class to just to see kind of like the different person she became immediately afterwards where she was just oozing with confidence and, and on that post-class high. So I think like as individuals, we have to, be in a spot where we're okay with not always being comfortable. 
and we're okay with trying new things, but we're also responsible for helping push others out of their comfort zones as well. That's awesome. So what's your third thing? Third thing. Um, I'm going to try to think of something that's career related and I'm going to have to go with an example of a meeting yesterday. We had our a, a biweekly team meeting with everyone at the company and we do a lot. I'm really blessed to work for a company that gives back to the community in so many ways, uh, whether it's uh, education or athletes or sports. We have this really phenomenal program where we sponsor a local athlete every single month. We do video features on them, give them 500 bucks cash to put towards their sport expenses. And then we really follow along, make sure the public knows about this individual doing great things in their sport. So I brought a, an idea to the table for the, the company to, to think about is, and that's creating a, a new foundation. And with creating a foundation, it allows us to start doing grant applications. It allows us to sponsor even more individuals and more fundraisers and more events and uh, more positive initiatives in the community. So I've, I presented that to the team and it got unanimous approval. So I think like something like that, just uh, knowing that, knowing that it wasn't a for sure, like it was, it could have been a concept that the executive team maybe didn't get behind or didn't resonate with and just turned down. But the fact that uh, I had that attitude where I, though at least you can actually try and present it and see what happens and that's what did and, and the team loved it so we're going to go through with it so that's another prime example of you never truly know unless you try that's really exciting and i'm curious with your goal setting out and you talked about your short term and your long term are you able to speak to the goal that you have in mind for 10 years from now can you like draw a picture of what that looks like yeah, I definitely can. And I've, I've always had a love of real estate and our, our company, we, one of our divisions, we're mainly forestry, uh, but the, the company also does subdivision development and had a real estate agency for a while and looked after a variety of different real estates, marketing campaigns. And I, I really have just always been obsessed with real estate I, I i think like in terms of invested and and holding assets I've, I've just always been intrigued so what i'd like to do is take the next step of becoming a licensed realtor and that's a goal that i have for this year to complete by may 31st and and then by 2025 i want to be a, a top five producer in Northern British Columbia. So I want to be, essentially I want to be one of the top five best agents uh, in Prince George. And by 2030, I want to be one of the top 10 producers in the entire province of British Columbia, uh, where my main area that I handle will be the Sea to Sky, Squamish, Whistler, West Vancouver area. Uh, but I'll still fly back and forth to Prince George to, to cover clients needs here. So. Uh, with that 10-year plan includes a move down to Squamish-Whistler area. Uh, but it's it's a big life-changing move, and it's something that doesn't just happen overnight where I, I'm going to need this 10-year period to actually aim towards that goal and make it happen. That's awesome. And the best part is, like, now we have this on the podcast. You can reflect back on it in 10 years. 
we'll both get to see how far we've come. It'll be a really cool, cool part of this whole journey. Exactly. So if I was to ask, what are your core values? What would your answer be? Uh, core value is family first, number one. And I think that's probably a, a common answer that you get with a lot of your guests. But I was lucky to grow up in a family with parents that really ingrained those habits into us, that family is everything. And uh, and to this day, the, my three older siblings, like we, we're almost an anomaly in ways where we just get along so well and really look out for each other. And, and our kids all hang out and play together. But I would say for sure, family first uh, second value is like being present and I, I've always been under the mindset like like there's you're gonna witness miracles every single day you just have to to really think about them it could be something as simple as driving from home to work like just watch how traffic works like watch how like we live in a society where there could be thousands and thousands of different vehicles that you pass in a single day and it just works. Everything works. Like this kind of technology is, if you were to look back a couple hundred years ago, it would be unfathomable. So how old are you, Christian? I am 27, 28 in a week or so. 28. Okay. In February. So we have like you and I have lived life before the invention of the internet and after the invention of the internet. And I feel like there's never going to be a period of time again, ever, where such a high evolution of technology has been achieved within a five, six, seven decade period, where we're, if we were to look back, say 50 years ago, and the technology that they're using now compared to what we're using today, like imagine having a conversation with somebody from the 1960s, just talking about like what we have access to today. And you look at something as simple as your iPhone, where, where how long are we going to, how long is it until we have the capability of utilizing all the technology that we have on our iPhone without having to even pick it up <laughs> or use our phone. Yeah. And you look at like movies now or a television series now where people are using an iPhone or making a call with an iPhone, how long until our kids or, or like us in a few years are looking back at that and be like, whoa, that must be so long ago. They're using an the iPhone. <laughs> it's just, I, I feel like we're so blessed with all of the technologies and the opportunities that we have around us that we fail sometimes just to take a deep breath, look around and, and look at as, as though every single thing is a miracle. It really is. Yep. It's true. So, I have a question that I ask every single one of my guests and then I get to put that all together after however many episodes, like we're on episode 97. So just imagine all the responses put together. And that question is, if you could give one piece of advice on how to live your life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? That piece of advice would be to seek mentorship and by seeking mentorship, it can be found in a lot of different ways where I've been blessed to have individuals in my life that have been able to disseminate advice and information to me that have had a really profound impact. Uh, I've been lucky where I haven't really had to seek those mentors. They kind of just came through like career and education and health. But if you don't have those mentors in your life that you're learning from, 
of that are providing you with guidance and giving you more of a, a clear concept or where you want to take your own life, go out and find them. Because the thing about mentors is they, I would say 90% of, of people that are in a position to offer mentorship enjoy it and they want to. And I look at my own boss for an example. He is turning 80 later this year. He's still pumping out 70 hour work weeks, loves what he does. He's passionate about it. He showed up to this country around 55 years ago, ago in, in Canada from Holland. He came here with $25.47 in his pocket. But he's kind of like that Jim Good individual who I mentioned earlier, Jim that just from a young age knew exactly what he wanted to do and what he wanted to pursue in his life. And, and so to be able to have mentors like him and others in my life that continue to provide that advice, it's huge. You can't put a price tag on that. It's better than, it's more valuable than any kind of tuition payment you're gonna make for a course at a post-secondary school. So my advice would be to always like find mentorship and it might even be through podcasts like this or through articles or through somebody that you're not having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with, but find individuals that are in a position to be able to mentor you with, that would have a positive impact and help steer the course of where you want to take your life. That's a perfect answer. So one last question for you before I let you go. Before the end of the day, what is one thing that you're going to do that's going to bring you joy? <laughs> well, probably one thing that brings me joy every single day, and that is taking my dogs for a walk. I have two mini lab labradoodles who are just like the happiest dogs in the world. But to be able to take them outside in the fresh air, watch them run around, watch them play with each other, watch them fetch a ball for a little bit. Those are the little joys in life that really spark into something bigger. So just to be able to see how something as simple as getting some fresh air and going on a walk can be the most enjoyable thing for these dogs. It makes me realize myself that sometimes you just have to stop, slow down, enjoy the simple things in life before you take your next move onto something big. It's so true. We have to enjoy those little things and dogs are the best reminder of it. So I want to thank you for joining me today. It was a great conversation. Yes. Thanks very much for having me, Christian. And, uh, Best of luck for the next 103 guests that you have on to get to 200. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you. If you haven't already, check out another episode of the Lifestyle Chase. Try to look for an older one or one halfway in between. There's a lot. There's a lot to go through. Uh, aside from all the real talk episodes that I do every day, there's a lot of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds and all different times in their career that I've talked to. And I try and keep that fairly randomized. There's plenty of times when you'll come across a string of guests that will all be our mutual friends. And then there's going to be times when I've purposefully found people who none of my regular listeners would know. And that is with the intent for you to learn more from other people and to kind of get a new perspective on what people we don't know anything about have to offer us in our life and where we are right now and where we may be going in the future. There's so much to learn, so much to talk about, so much that can help us in our future. And as Scott and I talked about, truly you should have like a mentor of some, of some form in your life. And if you find that through a podcast, that's wonderful. Lots of great people. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for supporting. And make sure to give it a rating or a share on social media. Thank you.